Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Yeah, goodness. Who doesn't want goodness in their life? All of us want. But today, we're going to talk about faithfulness, you know, and that's another fruit of the Spirit. So if you have your Bibles with you, open it up to Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter number 12, and also in the New Testament, Luke, chapter number 5, which we'll touch primarily this, this morning. So while we're doing that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your healing power, Father, even that manifested right here, Lord God. And we believe that you're able to do everything for all people. So we look to you in every circumstance and situation. Breathe upon us this morning. Let your word have free course. Touch lives, renew lives. Bless people like never before. Let them go out here feeling transformed by your word and by your, your love, Jesus. As we come together into your word, open it up for us so we can understand, comprehend, implant it into our hearts, and go out there really putting it into practice. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So 1 Samuel 12, 24 says this. Our God has always only ever been faithful to us. God is faithful to us. Well, God is faithful to us all the time. You know, when we go through difficult circumstances, we might sometimes fall away. We might sometimes be unfaithful. But God is always faithful. He never leaves us. He never abandons us. He doesn't leave us by the wayside. He doesn't pass us by. And I love faithfulness. I think Faithfulness is one of the characteristics that we all look for. We want to have people around us that are faithful. The Bible definitely confirms that God is faithful. He's with us through every single circumstance of our life. And it's a phrase we talk about a lot in church, faithfulness, right? We sing songs about faithfulness. We talk about how faithful God is. We see faithfulness occur in transformed church. We see faithfulness in your individual lives, you know, that you go through the circumstances. And, I, and we are faithful to believe that God does miracles constantly and consistently. I was encouraging the nine o'clockers that when we come, we should always come with a spirit of expectation. Never just come. Come expecting God to do amazing things because he wants to do amazing things. He, he's waiting to do amazing things. And if our expectation is really low, then you know, it's, it's only, he can only do a little bit. But if our expectation is huge, if it's gigantic, if it's enormous, then he can do amazingly more than that. So when we come, come with the spirit of expectation, because God is looking and faithful to do that. And what I talk about today is our perception, our, our view, our understanding of what faithfulness really looks like. How do we demonstrate this? How do we nurture, how do we cultivate faithfulness? Maybe some of us think faithfulness is, you know, having a dog that's faithful to you. You know, you go away, a dog sits at the door, waits for you, and that's a faithful dog. We often consider canines very faithful, man's best friend. Maybe you think faithfulness is two people committing to each other in a marriage and staying committed. That's faithfulness. That's a form of faithfulness. But what I want to talk about primarily this morning is not how God is faithful to us, which he is, but how we can be faithful to him. And I think that's a good perspective to look at, a good way of looking at things. And I, I love studying the Word, I enjoy studying the Word, and God has a lot to say about faith and faithfulness. He talks about it quite a lot. And if He talks about it so much, I think we need to pay attention because obviously He's trying to make a point. I look around and I see a lot of confusion about faithfulness. Some people have too little 
faithfulness and, and they're plowing through their marriage and they're plowing through their relationships and they're skimming over it and, and they don't plant deep roots that go down that they can pull nourishment, nourishment from. They can sustain through difficult seasons of their life. Sometimes they give up on marriages if there's a little storm. But what God is trying to encourage us is to build these deep roots into our, our relationships, especially our marriages, so they can have a firm foundation built in Him. And so... Let's talk about faithfulness. And the question is, how do we show faithfulness to God? Do you remember talking about the fruits of the Spirit when you were a kid in Sunday school? I remember when I was a kid, they'd, they'd have little cutouts and you can color little fruits. And we talk about the, this is a fruit and that is a fruit. And Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness that we talked about last week, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you hear the term faithfulness, what comes to mind? What pops up in your mind? What do you think about? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about faithfulness. It has a deeper meaning than what we comprehend it to be. The word faithfulness actually here is coming from the Greek word pistis. It's the same word that's used for faith in the Bible. And in earlier translations, they listed fruit of the Spirit as faith. But as later translations come, came along, they changed it to faithfulness to align with all the other fruits of the Spirit. But what is it? Is it faith or is it faithfulness? From reading what biblical scholars say, it's kind of a cohesion. It's a blend of both these words together to make up the true understanding of what God is actually meaning, the fullest meaning. And what it actually means is to nurture faithfulness is to be full of faith in an active form. Not a passive form, but in an active form. Faith in action. Faithfulness to God means being full of faith towards God. Faithfulness in your marriage means having faith in your marriage that this is going to work out, that everything will come to an expected end, that this will be the best thing to have. Faithfulness in church is to mean that you come expecting God to move, expecting miracles to happen, expecting the word to be preached, expecting that there are good things ahead. Many times in scripture, God uses different stories to illustrate points. Sometimes they're called parables, and sometimes they're actually living stories that happened with Jesus, that happened to prophets. So if you have your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 5. And in, the, in this chapter, this book, there are two stories that give us a pretty good glimpse of what it means to be full of faith, to have faithfulness in an active form. There are two miracles, two ways that we can nurture faith, according to Luke. The first one shows us that faith starts with obedience. Sometimes we struggle with our word. We like to teach our dogs to be obedient, but we struggle with it sometimes, right? <laughs> And so when you look at the story, starting at Luke chapter 5, one day Jesus is standing by the Sea of Galilee. The people are crowding, you know, there's a throngs of people, they're coming closer, they want to listen to what this man has to say. And so Jesus is teaching, but then as they keep coming, he's backing up and he's backing up, and sooner he, he realizes that his ankles are in the sea. He's like, that's not good, I can't teach from here. So he looks behind him, he sees a couple of boats, and he calls out to one of them, and he's like, hey, can I jump up on your boat? And so he jumps up on the boat, and one of the boats is actually owned by Peter. 
And so he begins to teach, he begins to talk about the word, he begins to talk about his miracles, talk about how God moves in our life, talk about all these things that these people are really hungry for and desperate for and, and really in anticipation for. And so when he's done, he's like, okay, I'm done. There's tons of people over there. I don't know if I can jump off this board and just make my way through because there might be a mob or something. So he has a choice. Should he go through all the throngs of people or should he go fishing? What would you do? I know there's many avid fishermen. So that's what he does. He says, okay, Peter, turn this boat around. I want you to go out into the deep, and I want you to throw down your net. Simple, yeah? Basic instruction, yeah? That's what he tells Peter. But here's the problem. There's a problem. Peter is a master fisherman. He's been a fisherman all his life. From the time of a young child, he used to go out on his boat with his father. His father would teach him and instruct him. His father was a fisherman. Probably his grandfather was a fisherman. And so they know fishing. And if you read the text and the corresponding things in other gospels, it says that Peter said that we've, he's fished all night. So they've been fishing right through the night, and now it's, it's probably midday afternoon, and they're cleaning out their nets. They haven't caught anything. Here comes Jesus. And he says, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep, which is all great and good and everything like that. And he's thinking, that's some good instruction, but here's the problem. It's the wrong time. If you listen closely, Peter said that they fished all night, which means that they usually fish at night. Jesus said, go out into the middle of the lake. Again, wrong location. Because when they fish, they usually fish close to the shore where all the fish are. Wrong location, wrong time. And then there's this guy, you know, he just jumps on my boat and he tells me to go fishing. Like, who are you? I've been fishing all my life. I don't even know you. You look like a rabbi. I don't know what rabbi knows about fishing. Right? I'm the expert. I know when to fish, Peter says. I know when to go fishing. I know what time it is. I've been doing it for all my life. In fact, I did it last night, just so I remember. And here's wrong instruction, wrong location, and wrong instructor. Everything's wrong about this picture. But Peter said, nevertheless, I will do what you say. So he took this boat out in the middle of the location, in the middle of the, of the lake. He threw down his net, and they caught so much fish that the boat could not contain it that they had to call other boats to come so they could carry the load. And you think about that in your life, because here's the expert, here's the expert fisherman, knowing what to do all the time, but yet comes instruction from someone out of his circle of influence, out of his expertise. This person had no knowledge, no idea, no timing, but yet... Because of Peter's obedience, he can come. He got a miracle. So the question is, how many miracles do we miss in our lives because we don't go out when Jesus tells us to? How many miracles do we miss from seeing because we're not obedient to God's instruction? How many times have we fallen short? If Peter goes, you know what? I'm the fisherman. I've been fishing with these guys for my life. You just jumped on my boat. I don't even know who you are. So come off my boat before I punch you because Peter had a big mouth. And he was a rough fisherman. If you could have said that, like who are you to tell me how to fish? 
And sometimes in our lives, when God gives us instruction, when God tells us things, we begin to question. We go through a series of questions. I play it, 20 questions. Are you sure? Maybe you can remind me again. Well, two times is good, but third time is the charm, you know. I really want to hear it another time. And then after that, I go, well, let me think about it. Right? That's what we do. I'm just being transparent with you. That's what we all do. None of us just jump up and go, God says, do this. Like, yay, I'm running out there right now. And I've learned over the years of my life, I'm still not a yes. I'm still like, yeah, I'll do it. But give me a second. Some of us, we just say no right out. When you say no, you're actually turning your back on what God has provided for you or what God is going to provide for you or the miracle that you will experience. But all I'm asking you this morning is not to jump up and be enthusiastic and go from doing nothing to doing everything because most of us would never do that. All I'm asking you to do is rather than turning your back and saying no, is just turn around and face forward. Face him. And if you can take one step, just one tiny little step of obedience, that's a huge thing. Because every step is a choice. When you take one step of obedience, you have to choose to take another step of obedience. So just choose one step. Rather than turning your back, rather than saying no, say, I'll get to it, maybe, I'll try. Because the percentages of you saying yes after that is higher. When someone says no, the chances of them saying yes right after are absolutely zero. So what I'm encouraging you to do is learn that God's miracles, God's blessing, what God has for us, our faithfulness to God comes with obedience. It just comes when we just listen to what God instructs us to do. A simple thing, when God says do this, we just say yes. Sometimes we have to be like Nike. We need to shut up and just do it. All right? Peter didn't go, you know what? Because my fishing experience tells me that this is not the right latitude, this is not the right longitude, this is not a realistic expectation, this is the wrong time. Peter didn't analyze it. Peter didn't ask 20 questions. He didn't give Jesus a whole list of why you shouldn't do it. He just said, because you say so, I will. This was the idea against all odds in Peter's experience. This was something contrary to everything that he knew and understood about fishing, completely in the opposite direction. But yet, Peter turned to Jesus and said, yes, I will. Peter didn't chatter. We didn't come up with a whole bunch of things. And sometimes we talk a lot. We chatter to God. We talk about why we can't. We give a hundred reasons why we can't rather than just giving one reason why we can't. Here's the thing. If Peter stood there and chatted with Jesus of why he could not, he would never have seen the miracle if he had said yes. Our miracles depend upon our obedience to God. What God has in store for us will come to pass because we follow in the design and the plan that he has for us. And so many times, I want to challenge us to step forward in God and experience the abundance, the blessings, the favor, the anointing that God has in store for us, rather than withdrawing and saying no. My hope is that Every time God will ask me to do something, I will say yes all the time. But I'm not there yet. 
and neither of all of us. And that's okay. That's okay with God. He's just asking you to understand that when he asks something, he wants to give you something that it's always yes and amen. That's the promises of God. He doesn't want to hold back. He doesn't want to be stingy. He doesn't want to just give you a potion. He wants to give you abundance. He wants to give you overflow because the psalmist says, my cup, it overflows. Not just what I need, but more than I need. And so many times we limit our experience, we limit our exposure, we limit our connection with him based on temporary feelings of why we can't. And I, want, I want to encourage you this morning, I want to encourage you to say yes to God. I want to encourage you to be obedient when he says walk across the room to do it. And I understand, I, I empathize with that because I'm going to it too. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm great at. I struggle with it too. All of us do. We're human beings. We have choices. Sometimes our choices lead down, lead down the wrong path. But God always wants us to choose the right thing because it leads down the best path. And so this passage simply makes it clear. Just say yes. Peter experienced miracles because he said yes. Faithfulness is cutting out the chatter. Faithfulness is being obedient one step at a time. Faithfulness is moving forward with you, with you knowing what you're supposed to get, knowing what God is asking you to do, knowing that if you do this by faith, God will do abundantly more than you even expect. We see miracles in the Bible all the time. You see Moses, you know, God told him to do something strange. And we look at it and we read it all the time and so it becomes familiar. But I want you to just pause for a minute and think about the circumstance that was happening. God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, Moses said, hey, we're going to go out there and worship. Pharaoh said, sure. So they're going out of Egypt. They get a little distance. They get to the Red Sea and they realize, hey, Pharaoh's after us. And they could've, you could have gone, you know, that's a good try. We'll just go back because there's nowhere to go now. The sea, the mountains, we're just going to be trapped here. So let's go back and maybe we'll try it again. Right? Because we failed. Our captors are coming to take us back as slaves. And so he talks to God and God says, Moses, what do you have in your hands? He goes, well, I have this little stick thing. He goes, yeah, that little stick thing that you have. I want you to wave it around. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, step into the ocean and wave it around. Moses goes, are you serious? Everyone thinks I'm a lunatic to begin with. If I stand here in the middle of the sea waving the stick around, what's going to happen then? They'll probably get me ready to put me into a mental asylum because he's already 80 years old. Like, oh, he's lost the plot right now. Let's cat him, put him back. We follow this lunatic out in the wilderness. He's standing in the ocean waving the stick around. But here's the thing. God didn't part the Red Sea till Moses stepped into it and waved the stick around. The obedience of Moses performed the miracle of God. And so many times, we struggle with that. We struggle with these understanding and struggle with the comprehension of how God will do. We want to see God do and then we'll step in. But that's not how it works. God wants you to step in obedience and then you will see what he has in store. You remember Jesus in John 5, 8? He's walking around and there's this crippled guy lying by this pool. And he's been lying there for 38 years. He knows how to lie on a mat really well. He knows how to do all the poses. Mats illustrated, you know, all the poses that you can do. He knows how to do it really good. But then 
here comes this guy that he's never met before, he doesn't know, who looks at him and says, hey, why don't you take up your mat and walk? And he has a choice. He goes, what are you telling me to do? I've been here for 38 years, lying on this mat, expecting something to happen. And nothing happened. Here's the key. Oftentimes, our miracles happen in unexpected times. When we prepare for things, we're expecting things, God does move. But sometimes, it's unexpectedly. This was an unexpected event. He didn't wait. There was no memo sent to him and said, hey, by the way, Jesus is coming down at around 12 o'clock. What we want you to do is sit on your mat and really look expectantly. He'll come along, he'll talk to you, and everything will be okay. There was no memo. There was no email. There was no text message. There was none of that. He comes along, and this guy has never seen him before. And he says, take up your mat and walk. And he faced a choice. His choice was, do I continue to sit here for another 38 years? And here's the thing. He was getting older, which means it was going to be more difficult to do what he was already doing. And so he had a choice. Do I go back to familiarity? Do I go back to what I'm accustomed to? Do I go back to what I've been doing my entire life? Or do I say yes and change my destiny? How many times has God appeared to us or God has talked to us or God has told us things that seem out of there? It, it just doesn't make sense. You know, he says, I want you to move when we feel like standing still. Or he says, I want you to stand still when we feel like running away. And he says, but it, it doesn't make sense. Peter, it doesn't make sense going out in the middle of the sea because that's not when you catch fish. We catch fish at night. They're going to be deep down in the ocean in the middle of the day. It doesn't make sense that I'm lying on this mat for 38 years and I'm sure other people came along and said, hey, do something about it. But there was something that changed with his obedience when Jesus told him. And that, that obedience changed his life. Our obedience can change our lives. Our obedience, our faithfulness to God can bring us to a place of abundance, love, and destiny. How long have you been living on a mat? How long have you been stagnant? How long have you decided to stay the same way and said, well, I guess that's just how the way it's going to be? Jesus is here and he's telling you, get up and walk. Get up. Take up your what you're lying on and walk. Faith starts with obedience. It's obedience to God's commands. When we say yes to God's commands, we show that we are full of faith to God's ways and God's best ways. When you say yes to God's commandments, we show that obedience that brings about faithfulness. It's from our experience of saying yes that we learn faithfulness. If we say no, we will never experience the fullness of God's blessings. And because we don't experience His blessings, we can't and not, are not willing to say yes because we don't even know what tomorrow holds. But when you do, you'll see the miracles. That word of obedience in the Bible actually has two words that mean the same thing or that come together to translate from the original text into faithfulness. The first word is the word to hear. The second word is the word to respond quickly. Or promptly. So when we hear, we must respond quickly. We show ourselves obedient. When God says we are obedient and we do it quickly, we bring about faithfulness. 
It's also why it's important that all of us listen, hear, and talk from God. I talk to and hear from God. You know, when we want miracles, we have to expect God to do miracles. It's also why it's important that you're here at church on a regular basis. Because Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the gathering together of believers. Did you know that when you come to church, that God is not inflated by your attendance? That God doesn't get grander because you're here? That God doesn't magnify even better? He adds more to us because you're here? He doesn't change because you're here. But guess what? You do. You come and you hear a song of worship that uplifts you. You come and you hear a preaching or a word from the message that encourages you and helps you understand the situation that you're going through, your difficult circumstances. That word can alleviate your suffering. That word can transform your thinking. And you realize that God is for you. When you sit at home, there's no word there. There's nothing there telling you anything different. And you have to realize God tells us to be faithful here. God tells us to come. And when you think about it, it's only an hour and a half in your week. An hour and a half in your week. But some of us, you know, we get up and it's, it's really cold. And your bed is really warm. That's how it was this morning. I had to get up really early. Uh, and I'm like, oh, this bed feels so comfortable. It's so nice. It's nice and warm. It's freezing outside, I know. I got up and I started coughing. I was like, oh, oh I just want to lie back down. We all have those moments. I feel like staying home. You open the window, there's a sprinkle, like, oh my gosh, it's raining. If I go outside, I will melt. So I better stay sick, safe and secure in the house. You know, I'll... <laughs> it's like, I, I just can't do it today. I had a busy week, I had a stressful week, I had all of these things. That, you know, it's so easy to make excuses. It's so easy to give 20 reasons, give 100 reasons why we can't. You know, I just don't feel it this morning. God doesn't work in feelings. God works on his word. And so his word declares, be here because something here is going to happen that will transform your life or you will be the one that will occur transformation in someone else's life because you sat to them and you did something to help them through this situation. So we're not ever here by absent, by, abs- um, by coincidence. We're never here because, you know, it just feels good. We're here because God tells us to and God allows transformation and miracles and things to happen for us to realize that he's a God that's able that he will see us through the dark times of our life. He'll see us through the difficult times of our life. He sees us through the hurt, the pain, because he's faithful. And he says, I want you to do this because this is how we can be faithful. And I remind you again that being here is not a benefit for him. It's a benefit for us. We grow, we hear, we get something to teach us, a different understanding to let the word of God do heart surgery on us. We know that it matters when you're in the room. It matters what the Word of God said. It matters when we connect with each other. It matters if we have the discipline to show up each week. All of us can come up with a million excuses. But God asks us to. And I want us to just begin to just stop the chatter, stop chattering with ourselves, just let other people chatter in our ear and tell us that, you know, this is okay and this, this is okay and it's okay to do this. But this, what does God say? What does his word say? I can't get up today 
I'm too tired today. And all we're asking for, all the Word of God says, you're devoting an hour and a half in your week for, to something that will help you, that will encourage you, that you go away feeling that something has happened in your life on the positive side. You're devoting one and a half hour a week. One and a half hour. It's not an insurmountable amount of time. When you come, you realize what God says because together we are the family of God. We are family. We talk to each other. We encourage each other. And God does amazing things. What other thing in your week encourages you? What else, where else can you go to get filled up and encouraged and told that you're loved? Where else can you go and be told that you are significant? Where else can you go and say you have a purpose and God loves you and he's passionate about you, that he jumps walls, he breaks down fences just to get to you? And he knows you by name. We're living in a culture that tries to berate us and put us down. We're not here. And so being here one and a half hour in a week can change your life. Saying yes to that simple thing can change your life, can change your destiny. So we need to cut the chatter and say yes. Who knows what will happen? Who knows if that song was meant for you? Who knows if, if that particular scripture and that word is spoken just for you? We know God can do. So obedience is just saying yes to God's commands. Obedience is just saying yes to God's prompting. Yes, yes, yes. When you're ready, we can be like Peter and say, because you said so. It doesn't make sense. It's not the right timing. It's not the right thing. It's not the right way. But I'm just going to say yes, just like Peter did. That's how our lives change. Maybe it's you need to be here so you can help someone else. Oftentimes, you know, when we hear preachings or we hear something, we always tell other people, hey, you should have been there because that message was for you. Right? Maybe it's not for them. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for me. Maybe it's for you to help someone else. Or maybe, because it's easy to look at other people and say, hey, I need to, you know, you have a problem, I'll help you. But what about me? I need help. We need help. We don't live a problem free life. It's not Huna, was it? Akuna Matata. Right? No worries. I think that, that line must be Australian. <laughs> anyway, side note. <laughs> Obedience is being faithful to God's commands, is prompting his path, his direction, being faithful, is putting one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. And that's all of, all of us can do that. So we've heard where we were read, and we've heard faithfulness takes obedience. In the next story, right there in Luke chapter 5, there's another story that talks about an interesting scenario. So there's this group of friends. They hang out all the time. Right? They go to each other's house. They've grown up together. They're married. They still hang out. They have barbecues. Their kids are starting to grow up together. They have great plans. They talk about their plans. Things are going well. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, smack. One of them gets really sick. And I don't mean just a flu. I mean death sickness. They're on a bed. They can't walk. And everyone's like... What happened? What can we do? We've gone to the doctors. Let's take him to the doctors. No one can help. He's still on this bed, about to die. And they're like, what do we do now? We don't, we've exhausted every avenue. What can we just let him die? 
And one of them comes in and says, hey, I heard that there's this guy coming to our town, and he's apparently done some miracles. Or last resort, why don't we just take him there? So they, they try to get him up, and you know, okay, get him up, and he slumps over. And like, okay, that's not working. Okay, you come on that side, I'll come on this side. We'll just put his arms around me. We'll just try and carry him. That doesn't work either. He falls right through them. He goes, okay, okay, fine. We can't do that. Let's just carry the bed, okay? So they carry the bed. There's four friends, and then the fifth guy, they carry him, and they take him to this guy that they've heard come by. When they get there, they get to this house. The house is packed with people, so packed that no people can fit through the door. There's people outside the house, packed. Everyone who's everyone is there, and they try to get this guy through. They're like, we heard that this is, we believe that if we get there, something will happen, something will change, because we heard that this guy can do something. But they can't get through because it's the, the crowd is too tight, it's too packed. And like, I don't know, we, we, can you see a way? I can't see a way. What about you? No, I can't see any way. One of them goes, hey, the roof's free. <laughs> like, all right, all right, people, let's get a plan together. We're going to get this guy on the roof, okay? So somehow they managed to get a house. Maybe they skipped rooftops or whatever they did. They got to the top of the house, carrying this stretcher, carrying this guy. And we're sitting this morning, and if this roof would break open, we'd all freak out. All right? It's like, what's, what's going on? Is there an earthquake? And that's probably what they did, because their, fl- their roofs were flat, right? So they had to break up the thing. And there's Jesus sitting in the middle, and he's talking to everyone else. And these Pharisees have come, you know, the Sadducees have come. I always say they're Sadducees, you know, because they're sad, you see. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, Connie joke. Anyway, <laughs> so they, they like break up the roof and they have the faith to lower us. And everyone's like looking to see what would, what would Jesus do, you know, because he's been teaching, he's been talking. They're sitting there with judgmental eyes, these people, and they see this guy and they're looking with judgmental eyes even more at this guy. What's going to happen? And so they, they have faith to lower him through the roof in front of Jesus. You can read this in Luke 5.17. And so Jesus says to him, hey, the same thing he says to the guy at the, by the pool, he says, take up your bed and walk. And that's what he does. He is going from being a paralytic to walking out that room holding the bed that he was carried in on. How long have we been lying on our beds and our issues and our problems when Jesus is able to tell us to take up our problems and walk out with them because the problems don't rule you. You have authority over them in Jesus' name. So they take him out, take him there. He's healed. He walks out. And what I want to tell you is that faithfulness requires audacity. You need to be audacious. You need to be bold. You need to make ways when there's no ways. It's not just giving up when you see the first obstacle or surrendering when there's a problem in your way. You got to push through. You got to find a way. And you need to be audacious in your faith towards God. You need to be audacious in your time and expectation of what God can do. These four guys believed if they could somehow get to Jesus, their friend would be okay. It's that belief that gave them the courage, the strength to do all that they did to break up someone else's roof. I'm sure they had to pay for it later, but anyway. (laughs) To get this guy to Jesus. Our faith has to be audacious. And God is looking for people of faith. In fact, the Bible says when Christ returns, 
Will he find faith on the earth? I think that's an indictment. You know, that's an indictment for us. Will he find people of faith? Will he find genuine Christ followers? Will he find people who have devoted their life to believe him and walk him after him? That's the struggle for us. Anyway, it's easy to stand up here and talk about faith, but faith is hard when you're in the valley. It's easy to say God wants faith, but it's hard in the valley. It's hard when the friend that you've grown up with is about to die. It's hard when you know how to do things and someone comes along and says, this is the way to do it. And Peter's like, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. That's what we need to say. That's what we need to be. We need to be audacious and we need to just say yes. We believe God. Yes. Do we trust him? Yes. When he asks us to go, do we say yes? Maybe. <laughs> Audaciousness would help this, help this four guys, bring this guy that will help. Be bold, be audacious, take a risk. Take a risk in your life because it's really the thing. It's not really a risk because God is faithful. The risk is for us to step out of our comfort zone into the place of God's promise. That's the only risk we face. But it's a secure risk. It's like a trapeze artist doing his massive tricks with assurance that if he falls, there's a net to catch him. That's what it is for us. We have the assurance that God's promise will never fail, but we still need to take that risk to step into it. Is what we struggle with. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning and tell you that, that God is waiting. God is looking for someone of faith who can step forward towards him and say yes. And God's going to use them and bless them and encourage them like never before. God's going to transform that life. Anyone counting how many times I said transform? <laughs> I love transform. I love transform, church, don't you? As I come to a close, what I want to talk about just briefly is a few ways that, can, that we can, this week, be full of faith. Is that okay? Simple things that will help us this week to be full of faith. First of all, read your Bible. Read what Jesus did. Read what he can do. Read the promises of God. And when you read the word of God, it brings faith into your life. Because if God can do it for them, he can do it for you. It will build up your faith. It will encourage you. It will let you know that you're not just stepping off a ledge. You're stepping into God. So just read, the, read it. Spend some time reading it. Spend some time talking to him. If you don't know any other scripture, read 1 Samuel 12, 24, what we just talked about. Just be faithful. And then be like Peter. When God asks, see. I don't understand, I don't comprehend, it doesn't make any sense, I look like a lunatic, but yes, I'm going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes. What's one way this week that you can obey God's instruction or prompting? What's one way that in your life that you can say, hey God, I'm going to say yes to this? Maybe that's something to do with your family, your work environment, your school, your friend circle, whatever it is, will you say yes? Be bold, take a risk. First Samuel 12, 12 24, I'm going to read the full thing to you. It says this, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. 
And look at this part. I love this part. For consider what great things he has done for you. I'll read it again. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. When I think about the faithfulness of God, when I think about his love, can't help but get emotional because through it all, he's been faithful. I love that song, the last song we sing, O Crimson, the Blood of Jesus. It says, you took away my sin. Even then, even then, you still did it. Even when I was at worst, even when I was at the, the lowest place in my life, you were still faithful. You came through. And be faithful in your attendance to church. Because I know there's lots of things we can do on Sundays. You can take little Johnny swimming. Little Johnny can learn to swim. But here's the thing. When you bring him here, little Johnny can learn how his life can change and his soul can come to a place of rest. And no amount of swimming is going to do that. There's a lot of things we can do. It's just choosing to say yes when God tells us something. You know, any number of things come up. And I know we have busy weekends, we have families and all these things. But I want to reiterate that you give an hour and a half in your whole week just to come and talk with other Christ followers, get a little bit of encouraging, get a little bit of uplifting that will help you see your way through life better. And you think about it. Why do you think there's so many issues with you coming to church? Why do you think that it's a struggle to be here? Why do you think that everything that needs to come up comes up when you need to be here? Don't you realize we have a real enemy that's at work in our lives, that's trying to stop us, to stop you, to let you know that you know, no one loves you, no one cares about you. It's just about depression and the same routine and just life is just life. But that's what he wants to stop you. He wants to tell you you're nothing. And that's why we struggle with it. But God wants to tell you that you're loved. That he values you. He sees you as significant. He remembers your name. And more than that, he remembers how many hairs you have on your head. And I'm not going to use the same joke again, so continue on. You're here for a purpose. You're not an accident. You are loved by God. Regardless of you acknowledge him or not, whether you've come to accept him or not, he still loves you. And he will do everything to show you that he loves you. He died, not just an ordinary death. He went through pain and suffering, and the cross is not a picture of shame and suffering. The cross is a picture of his love for you. It's a postcard of his love to say, I will go through all of that, I will even go to hell to show you I love you. That's what he did, he took the keys of death. And I want to remind you, step out on God's promises. Simple things, read our Bible, be in church, step out, say, look for something that you can do this week that when he prompts you, you say yes. And if you want to read, read 1 Samuel 12, 24. Let it marinate in you. Let it seep through you. Let it give you wisdom and knowledge. I'll read it again and then we'll pray. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you.
Let's stand. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.